Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How's your Monday? Excellent. It's the calm before the storm, as we say. Well, kind of. Um, <laughs> usually, this Monday is the uh, oh my gosh, do I have to work this week? At, for those who don't know, this week is when we're recording, and the week at Gen Con happens. Uh, right. And it's not in Geneva, as the name suggests anymore. It's here in Indianapolis, yeah. Indiana. I say here because yeah. that's where uh, we're at. I'm at currently. Where you are, yeah. Um, and um, but while it would usually be the comfort storm for me, Sydney's back in town, back at home, and that's also super time for me. So right now I'm in the super fun time, uh, hmm. which is which is super great. Uh, it's well documented here that Sydney's my buddy. And we do all sorts of stuff together. And so she comes back and we've already, uh, you know, watched a movie together. We've already played games together. We went out ate dinner tonight together at a Bloomington restaurant. We went to the Alvary. Um, had tons of conversations, drove around town. Just been super fun. It's a Monday. So there's my answer to how's your Monday. Pretty freaking great. <laughs> How's that? Nice. Are you, uh, when, when are you, when are you going to make your grand appearance uh, flight over here. Are you still working working days this week or? Yeah, I worked t- I worked today and tomorrow. Um, okay, and then actually the way I scheduled it, I could have come in earlier, but of course to get uh, transferable refundable flights co- adds another like forty percent to the ticket price, so I can't change it. Um, I drove back across Washington. Um, a few days early. Uh, There's a whole complicated explanation about what my family were doing because my parents were up here uh, for a week, week and a half, something like that. Uh, But they went to Seattle with my brother, who's starting a new job over there. Yeah. Um, They left yesterday, Sunday. And so rather than my initial plan was to move camp Sunday and be at another campground in the middle of the state for two, Sunday, Monday, two, two, three nights. Um, And then Wednesday morning, uh, bring the camper over here, which is um, North Idaho, near where my brother lives, and park the camper um, on some property here. Uh, My brother and my parents own together. It's split or something. I don't know how that all works, but they have property here where I park the camper and drop a dog off and go to the airport. So my flight doesn't leave until like almost two uh, in the afternoon. Yeah. Okay. Um, Pacific time. So my flight does not get into Indianapolis until about 10 p.m. or maybe 10:30 something like Late. that. Late. Okay. That's what you said. Wait. You said Tuesday. Wednesday. Wednesday. Sorry, I heard that wrong. Okay. Oh, I remember this. You are coming in late, and you would ask about people being uh, able to come get you, possibly, or something. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I assume I'm just going to have to get a lift or something. But uh, I thought I'd ask just in case. And I mean, nobody, nobody. I don't think anybody's going to be on their way to the house that late. So ten, ten o'clock um, at night. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so yeah, you, that's. You, you know what might not be a terrible idea is to send me a message. As you are you're... landing, you know how like sometimes you you as soon as your flight lands, you're like, okay, cool, and I can turn on the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, before you do that order of an Uber, maybe you send me a message. Not anybody else, because I don't think most people pay attention to their phones. Not always do I do. Sure, uh, but 
because you know sometimes I'm able for I I know the airport well and driving in and out of it and uh, driving down the road maybe you know we make that work out we'll, we'll see I I forget are you and Sydney staying at the house we are we are you are yeah. okay so you so might we'll, I was, we'll I was, be there is the way I was I'm trying to that. gauge your your level of um uh how do I, how do I want to put this like how how silly you're gonna get at Gen Con. Oh, and sure, if, you're, yeah. if you're not staying with us, like if you have to drive you and your daughter to wherever you're staying, you usually keep it a little more low key. Um, yeah. But when she's around, you do that anyway. So yeah, I say when when she's around, I do that anyway. So, um, and and you know, where she and I are both super like we love hanging with the guys. This is obviously one of our highlights, but we're mm-hmm. super jazzed about doing all the Gen Con stuff. And I know it's great to see that ever since she was a kid, she's been. Um, they've been very excited, you know, about the con in general. They've always had a positive thing about it. But right. even as it's really heartening to see that as she gets older, it only kind of incur- it grows is the thing. Um, sure. And I know that it's something that it was a big point of hers when she came, went down to her mom's this year was that she makes sure that Gen Con is a thing that she can come back for the entire time. She always wants to go four days. Um, and every single day, She's engaged, right? Engaged with what's going on and doing right. things. And yeah. this year, she's even got independent things she's doing on her own. Nice. Uh, and she went, she's been working all summer and made herself a cosplay costume. So nice. um, she, she had bought one kind of before, a very steampunk thing that she'd used also for Halloween. But this year, she sewed herself a skirt from an anime that she likes and bought a mask that's for the, like, whatever it's in a cat kind of anime face mask and bought a wig and all the stuff. So yeah, she's really, really a Gen Con person, which is, you know, kind of makes me proud, I guess, type thing. I'm excited. So if you can't tell out my voice, this week is great. I'm really great, Dennis. <laughs> and I get to see all my friends. You know, it's, it's wonderful. We've got you coming in, which is always a wonderful thing to see. Fox, which we always love too. But now we've got Marcus and uh, uh, who's a friend that he, I think he's Marcus has been on the show perhaps. And Blake is another friend of ours that we don't get to see very often. Uh, I always love seeing friends, you know, especially that are so far out. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, so super excited. What is, hey, let's ask you a couple Gen Con prep questions. We almost do a little bit. Um, and I know you're not a, like a real event guy or, a, a, you know, the con per thing. But what, what is this year with what your ideas of what you're, how you're engaging with all aspects of this trip for yours. What's the, the thing you're most looking forward to coming to Indianapolis in for four days? Could be anything. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think after taking a year off, I'm excited to just do it normal again. So it's a combination of that. And of course, seeing everybody is always um, a pleasure. I did see some people. Well, the uh, Fox and his family all came out in the spring and I saw everybody. So it hasn't been that long. Um, And uh, Blake is coming this year. So that's cool. I saw him last year. I think he came to something. We all were there. It's Um, the same time Fox came in labor, labor day, labor day weekend, which we're doing that again. So part of it is seeing everybody again. Um, I, you know, I mentioned this last week, but I'm, I'm looking forward to going along with Fox. He, he, included me a little bit in his in his planning his scheduling all his his meetings 
Um, and so, so for those who don't know what that means, what, what does that mean? Like Fox's meetings. So, um, no, knowing we, that Fox is he's an LRM, he works. Yeah, he, we we mentioned he does. We mentioned Fox and the and the website that he writes for. Um, I don't know what that if it's like a magazine or what that's called when it's a website, but um, LRM he, online. Mm-hmm. LRM online. He writes reviews, and one of the big things he reviews is board games, and so he develops relationships with I don't know the marketing person or whomever at a company probably varies depending on the size of the company um and then sets up these meetings where uh he does it at gen con and he also does it at um one of the packs there's like a pax unplugged and maybe pax east i think pax east is still mostly video games that's uh the penny arcade expo if you're familiar mm-hmm. with that web comic uh but they do a board game con called pax unplugged um that's also but I only know about that from him mentioning it to us. It's right. it's over in Pennsylvania somewhere, which is closer to where he lives. Um, anyway, he meets with the the publishers, or you know, sometimes it's the designer, sometimes it's their marketing person um, for the companies, and then goes to their booths. And sometimes um, sometimes they'll have like like a booth has a has a little room, right? Has a like structure it's, you don't notice it right away if you're just walking around at the con but like okay. there's a thing with a door in it and they've got stuff in there and sometimes there's a little table and we'll meet in there so it's off the floor sometimes we're just on the floor but um you know again at a table and i don't think sometimes if it's something really simple we'll do a little bit of play like do a couple rounds to show us the rules, it varies depending on the game, depending on the publisher, depending on who we're talking to. Um, and then the 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 um, sort of transaction that happens with that is that they make time, right, both both he and whomever make time to... I, I just say whomever because I don't know what title to use for the <laughs> various right, people right. he meets with. They both agree to a time, right? Set a meeting, and then he schedules those meetings throughout the con. And then they will either send or give him uh, a comped copy of the game, a game right, or, or sev- yeah. several games that are new. And yeah. then he takes them home. He plays them with his family, usually. Um, and probably depending on the game, he gets larger groups or, you know, whatever. Um, he plays the game and then he writes a review. It goes on LRM Online and then he also posts it on Board Game Geek, the big board game uh, website community, community website. Um, right. And so that's the sort of, like, he gets a copy of the game for free, but it's not really free because he has to coordinate to meet with them. He has to take the time to play it thoughtfully and write a review on it so there's there's still a that's why i use the word transaction um where the the only part of that where i come in is if i have an open gen con schedule i will just go along with him to those meetings where it doesn't conflict with anything i want to do and you know hear the pitches and every once in a while i'll if it's a game fox doesn't play a lot i'll maybe have a comment or a question that he hasn't thought of and uh, it's a good time and I, I will say what's what's right. nice for me is I don't have to do any of the planning. Like I just get to oh, right, yeah. follow along. I mean, I don't get free games, but 
Yeah. It just is is a a little more structured. You know, we talked about this at length with events. Like I did a couple years where I really scheduled a lot of events, and then after the year off for COVID and everything, I was like, I just can't add that level of thought and planning to this to this event. But yeah. it's you know for the first couple years that I went the first three to five years, I was fine just walking around randomly and seeing what I see. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not, there's, there's, um, how do I say it? Like, that's not novel anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or it's only now, it's not as novel, right? Like there, there may be some new novel things. Yeah. Walk in and see, be like, but a lot oh, of yeah, it is like, here's, there's the t-shirt. Here's the hall. Them. And yeah, exactly. And, and for a couple of years, things – I'll use the, the T-shirt booth as an example. It's a really large booth, right? Well, you can't miss it from everywhere else. The thing. It's got all the, the nerd prints, right? mm-hmm. everything you can think of and things you wouldn't think of that are pretty awesome. It's an awesome, huge booth thing. But after two or three years of seeing all the things, it's not, as you would say, novel anymore, yeah. right? That's one example. It, it just becomes a familiar – it's, it's like going back to – like for me, going back to Bloomington after I moved away, it's like – Oh, this is new and this is new, but there's that and there's that. Like, oh, they've got that same, you know, this company still has this thing up here. And, oh, they moved Paizo over here or whatever. Like, it's... Right. Um, but unless they change something diff- big, it's not that big of a... It's not a difference, right? And, yeah. and then after a while, you're only seeing what is new. Uh, and then uh, you're right. After even five years of going to that, it's, it's difficult to, to find those things. So I totally get it. And a lot of that stuff is that, especially if you don't make plans events for example mm-hmm. then then what took you maybe two or three days to get through the hall on doing now takes you a day at most right right um so i i can totally empathize with that for me it's a little different i i kind of recognize that early and um i intentionally avoid the hall for any real looking sydney and i were discussing this yesterday and we said that like we can still take an occasional quick run through the hall to see the lay of the land but but mm-hmm. we don't stop at any booths when we do that, except for something we may want to intentionally go Yeah, for. yeah. Like, sometimes I'll go looking for something, or maybe I want to buy something. Um, yes, like intentionally, but yeah. it's been several years since I did the, like, cover everything, right? Like, start at this end and walk every aisle all the way, start to finish, or, like, do half of it, and then in the afternoon start at the other end until I get back to where like i've seen everything like walk through everything um now sid and i, I will do we will definitely still do that that's where i was going to go my second mm. half. like we, we still when we plan our stuff is that we don't plan the hall but on sundays we do plan the hall so that that, that is our tradition is that sundays are our walk around day okay um, and and it's planned that way because if we i know that if we earlier on i had earlier years i had planned on like putting large swaths of the day during the day to go to the hall because you can only go during the day, which is not- notable. They close at like five or six. Um, that you, I don't want to go back on Sunday, right? There's just I've done it all. It's, right. It's, there's there's no right. So we we intentionally save most of the hall except for intentional reasons um, till Sunday, and and go that way. Intentional reasons thing can often be, oh, there's a game that's only on sale, so go get it on Thursday. You know what I mean? Right. Stuff like that. Uh, or, um, you know, there, there's a, 
a thing that people want us to play and then we can talk about it together. Like, oh, you should really go by this booth and see this thing that they've got and give it a shot. And then I'll go and then come back to the house and talk to friends about it. You know, that, that kind of stuff is intentional. Um, you know, or, or have you seen the tables they've got at the Wormwood booth and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, uh, we haven't done that. I do have larger holes in our schedule uh, this year than, than most uh, because in the last two to three years, we have actually enjoyed playing games at the con. Like there, there are several places that you can check out really good board games right? and sit down and play them, you know? Uh, and we have found so much fun doing that in the last three years, probably uh, one random pickup, people is nice you know like hey you know you got room for that like yeah yeah we'll hop on in you know type stuff or when mm-hmm. we're picking games and somebody's talking about it or another couple sitting there and talking about it and said and i you know like hey you know this is my kid you want to play with my kid with and me and they're like yeah um or some random indianapolis friends there that we don't get to see you know we have like hey dave or Kristen, you know bill or whatever we say you want to you know we got an open between noon and four and we're going to pick up games and show up and we'll all just play games, you know, at the right. con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, so we've got those holes and we're looking forward to that kind of stuff. And I didn't mention that yesterday or last week when we were talking about it, but I do love uh, those, those extra holes that we've, and it gives us time also to like relax for lunch. We don't have, Oh, we got an hour before another event. So let's go grab a subway real quick. We can, hmm. you know, chill, do what we want to do, talk about it, then go play a game. And yeah, I'm excited about that. And I'm also excited about the friends and stuff, but, it's coming up this this Wednesday is when we start. Um, I haven't picked up my badge yet. Don't forget your badge, Dennis. No, I um, <laughs> of all people, I, I I debated this for a while because you know will call the will call line is notoriously unreliable. I'm also getting into town late, so for a minute I was like, well, I'll just go to the con first, and I don't know. I mean, I guess people do this, but like I would have to have my carry on my bags with me um when i do that and then it's late and it's like how late is it open so people are like it's open 24 hours and other people are like well the building closes at midnight and i'm like okay what am i gonna so i did uh have it mailed i had it mailed to mm-hmm. our buddy trotsky um after confirming with him that that was okay and uh and he has it and i've already <laughs> they give it to I've, him. That's a, I've, I've, I don't know. If you, I don't know giving it to Trotsky is a good idea, but yeah, sure, give it to somebody else irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a little. It was a little hit or miss. But I was like, well, may as well. If if he forgets, then it's then it's on him. And you know, I, I right. Was, I was pretty I, sure uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't forget. Even though I forgot one year, that's a. Um, and, and no one ever lets you forget about it, right? It now. was it was that year that we were going to record, and I had like a soundboard and extra mics, and so I just had all this extra swirl going on with um, my planning for the drive down from northern Indiana, and then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it wasn't until like we were pulling up at the Airbnb, and Andrew goes, "You've got the you've got tickets for that thing, right?" Oh, that was the other thing because I bought tickets for events for like mm-hmm. ten other people. And maybe not 10 people, but like I spent a bunch of money on event tickets and yeah, that was a, I forget. Did you drive panic. back up home or what no, was the resolution? no, I, I called back cause that's when I was staying with my parents and mom took it to a like post office, not post office, but like a, like a mailboxes, uh, kind of like a UPS store. Okay. Um, 
and had it either UPS or FedExed overnight. I was like, yeah, I'll just pay for it. It was like 50 yeah. bucks or something to get it right. overnighted down. And then spent the rest of the evening like obsessively refreshing the tracking page because <laughs> I, I get that. I get she, that. She told me, she gave me the number, but told me the wrong carrier. Oh and, no. And so I'm like, I'm like checking the FedEx site, but it's actually UPS or something like that. Like it came, everything was fine. And it was so like, Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. That was a very stressful Gen Con experience That's, before anything even started. That is so interesting. Yeah. I, I remember that one too. That place, that was a good, that was a good time. Yeah. Uh, well, not not for you for that for sure. I, but I remember that Gen Con. It was. I mean, it, good, I mean, it worked out job. right. Like, yeah. yeah, I had to I had to pay for it, but like, fifty bucks was a much easier um, commitment than driving six hours back up and back down. Yeah. To do that, that. that was a generally memorable Gen Con for for starting off with that one as an example that event. And then uh, for for me, it was uh, Sid and I shared a room with bunk beds, which was pretty cool. Mm. And because we usually have like double air mattresses or something like that that we'll have. But we had bunk beds, which is super neat. And I got to sleep on top bunk, which I haven't done since I was a kid. Sleep on top of a bunk (laughs) bed, right? Um, Which is fun. And uh, we, that con, I had to watch Airplane (laughs) when we reviewed Airplane that year. Um, we, We didn't watch it together. No, no. I watched it like as I was going to bed at night at Gen Con. I watched oh, it on my phone. Okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it was on the poster. I was I was thinking of when we watched it during the pandemic. Like we watched it yeah. over Discord. That was when Pat was dad explaining all the jokes to Justin. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. No, no. This was for that for the poster, and right. and I had to watch it because we were talking about it, which is the last thing that that year. Yeah. We also had. Um, well, t- one, I remember uh, Marcus bought, had bought a um, Tesla, and I'd never seen a Tesla, and he had to plug it in, which was kind of great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, plugging in your car in the back. Um, right. And then we had we recorded. So it was such a big thing for that recording. And then we, we had so many technical issues, and it was just it was a memorable thing. I always say this to people, no matter what Gen Con or any kind of thing, especially when you're talking about, like, role-playing games – Things that go wrong are the best memories of all of, of so course. many stuff, of you know, and, and I wish that it can be your wedding. And if things go wrong, the best way to look at it is that's the, the best parts. And I know you want to remember the air quote best parts of an event that you have. But if you can appreciate mistakes, gaffes, you know, things in the moment, it's only going to make it enhanced 10 times later on down the way when you remember those mistakes yeah, or yeah. problems or whatever it is, you know. Um, makes so if you can stories. laugh it off, it's, it's, it's a lot easier. Uh, so let's see. Um, what else do we have? Uh, let's talk. We, we have our show this week. Like I actually watched the show. Watched it. Yeah. I, I had to go on. Well, well, do you want to talk about it now? All right. Sure. Yeah, we can. All right. <laughs> All right, this week we watched The Accountant from 2016, starring Ben Affleck, not uh, Matt Damon, Damon. (laughs) Anna Kendrick, and J.K. Simmons. Yeah. And uh, who was the other guy? John Bernthal. It's it's the Punisher. Um, Some people might know him as. They know him from Walking Dead. He was... um, I can't remember the guy in the first uh, season. Shane. 
Shane, yeah, Shane from the Walking Shane Dead. Shane from Walking Dead. That's that's what I remember him from. Uh, yeah, yeah. John Lithgow, um, Jeff Tambor is in there in a couple scenes. Jeffrey Tambor, yeah. that was a good one. Yeah, right. I don't remember John Lithgow, but I, oh yeah, I do know John. He was the uh, business owner, right? Yes, he's the like, I was thinking, CEO guy of the thing. Yeah, correct. I was thinking of somebody else. Uh, yeah, this this show I want to say that I've seen before, hmm. but. You sure Here's you're not thing. thinking of uh, uh, Born Identity, or no? R- um, r- right, th- right good, thought. Good, Goodwill Hunting. No, no. Uh, I shouldn't say this without kind of giving away. <laughs> I think I remember watching this show, and I just forgot that I watched it because so much of it is so familiar, and I know that there were scenes that I have seen before. Um, yeah, primarily I mean, like has... when he was a kid. I was like, I know I've seen this this scene before, right? Right. It it has a feeling I I don't I wouldn't call it formulaic, but it's a little bit like I mean I named those two movies. It's a little bit like they took pieces from a handful of other movies uh to put this together and then there's not a lot there's not a lot about it that's really memorable. Um I would agree. So I'm, I would agree I'm not I'm not surprised since I didn't don't, remember uh, it, right? Remember it. Yeah, exactly. Uh yeah, that's kind of my thought on this this whole movie. I wanna, I had such mixed feelings coming off of it. Not not like a crazy swirling. Oh my gosh, let's talk about all this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. when my thought of like how am I gonna talk about it today was was mixed, and not in the way that like there's nothing to talk about. In the way that um, do I like this or do I think it's not great or or what? Because there's several things on here that feel like it would be something that I like. And when right. we talk about stuff that I like, um, this kind of checks us several of those boxes. Um, so when it was done, I was like, well, there was nothing that there that I thought was wrong. Um, but I also want to say that I think that most of the stuff that they did wasn't, as you just said, memorable. Right? Yeah. There wasn't... The, 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 I'm not spoiling anything here because it probably is in the trailer or something. He, he has a, he's a high-functioning autistic person. Right. Yep. That's probably yep. the most unique thing about the show. Um, yeah. And the fact that he's an accountant. That part there. At the end, I came down to the fact that I think it annoys me. Um, and the only reason it annoys me is I couldn't get past the idea that somebody was an accountant some point in their life and wanted it to be cool. So they wrote this movie for that reason. Sure, yeah, a little bit of, I mean, I know people overuse the the label Mary Sue, but it's a it's a little bit Mary Sue. I mean, right? Just like again, uh, Goodwill Hunting, right? Right. Um, not to that level, right? He's his, the character is not like, you know, impressing all the other math nerds. In the th- I mean, he is a little bit. Let me let me ask a, a high because I'm thinking about this as you're as you're saying it. Would this movie have been more memorable with Matt Damon instead? No, I don't think so. I thought I thought okay. uh, I thought Ben Affleck was fine. Uh, I one thing about I I'm very mixed on Ben Affleck. Like I've seen yeah. roles that I like him in, and I was very dubious of him playing uh, Bruce Wayne, playing Batman in in. Mm-hmm. Batman versus turns out that casting is one of the least of the things wrong with Batman v Superman. Um, sure. 
And and when you actually get into his character, I'm like, okay, this is fine. A kind of detached, brooding. But he just... I don't know. He plays a lot of characters that are just, like, like emotionless. Right? And it, like... Right, sure. For, for this, like, that's sort of intentional with that character. But... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and it's hard because we just watched this a couple months ago. It's hard for me not to compare this to Rain Man. Right, sure. Where, I mean, I don't know if this is even at all a fair comparison, and it's probably a little bit problematic for for me to even bring it up, but, like, to compare Ben Affleck's performance in this to Dustin Hoffman in Rain Man, right, is night and day. Right. Um, yeah, but, that, I again, was going to say they're, something. They're very like, different characters, so it's not really right. I was going to say something about that was that I wanted to say that Matt Damon's aut- autism on here wasn't apparent as much. Like it, Ben Affleck it was. In, it was, yeah. Ben, I said Matt Damon again today. <laughs> ben, ben Affleck's uh, portrayal, and, and the problem with that is that the reason they call it an autistic spectrum is because there are, it's such a wide ranging types of right. people who have yeah. autism and yeah. you can have autism and never people, no one even know it, right. See any kind of mannerism. So it's almost, that's, it's almost a, a fallacy to say that like, Oh, he didn't, he didn't feel like he was autistic. Well, that's not even, you clearly don't know what autism is. I mean, yeah. Honestly, that's right. That, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. I don't, and I'm, no, I no, no, no. I, the, the reason I, I was saying that too, is not to discount what you were saying. It was because it felt like, especially when they talked the part with the kids, a very important part of his character and him as a kid uh, was one way, right? But him as an mm-hmm. adult was not that way. Yeah. Like, like as if their their space on the spectrum shifted greatly. Now I don't know how that works in real autism and autistic stuff, uh, but he was someone that was prone to fits and. Uh, you know, having things very structured and ways that he had. And while they showed that in, in his like behavior a little bit as Ben Affleck, he didn't actually act a lot like what that kid was, you know, what they portrayed as a kid. Um, and I, I more felt like he was more OCD than as an adult than aut- autistic. Yeah. Um, and I, th- and I think maybe the, um, this is maybe getting a little bit into spoilers here, but I think the implication is that the their dad was so um, like militant with them that it's like a Dexter thing. I don't know if you've seen Dexter, but a little bit. It's it's a thing where like he trained him enough to fake uh, um, being neurotypical um, to like blend. In which, which also feels problematic, right? Uh, right. I, I don't. I don't know. This is a a little bit of a minefield of a topic. Um, I mean, no, it it's good, and it's. I think it's actually is important to to talk about this film, not because of the the autistic part of it, but because things that made me, and I'm glad you brought this up, and the things that makes me think about that and talk about this was that that if you're discussing an autistic character or someone who has autism and you're making them basically a superhero 
or a James Bond-ish type character. Yeah, that's that's and and it's it's hard. This movie is excuse me, like seven, six, seven years old. So it's not it's not super old enough to like really know more like, about autism. Right? Yeah. Compare right, like again, like Rain Man, but right. it's it's almost a little. It's not really old enough to give it a pass for the autism is a superpower trope, right? Which it did, a, right? A li- li- because it definitely does, yeah. Yeah, that, that was another thing that bothered me. And I can do- definitely overlook, a- as they say, hey, kid, it's not, not that kind of movie, you know. Uh, sure. But this was a kind of movie, and they were playing it as a superpower. So especially yeah, the fact that very they go back to the accountant part. To this character, yeah. Right. If if he didn't have a superpower, then which was his math superpower, right? That mm-hmm. he uh, then why make him an accountant? Why make that? It, it just all that just it did not seem to work to me. They, they're shoehorning in that he's an accountant, and they're really making an accountant be in a su- super important part of drug dealing or bad guys money laundering. Right. 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 It might be. You know, I just don't know or I've never heard or read about that the secret world of money laundering has super rock stars in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I just mm-hmm. don't understand how organized crime can have one freelance accountant that is world famous. I just that it was so I say the word dumb. Right. And then a little bit. And then, and then, okay, all right, let's let's put that across the <laughs> way, and put then you get to see him in action, right? He's doing his thing, and he's kind of sure. he's writing on the walls as they tend to do with people who don't understand how this stuff like, works. Like uh, a beautiful mind. Yes, right. right? They're Pro. just writing all over mm-hmm. the walls. Okay, if you write numbers all over the walls, then it make clearly makes it <laughs> cool and interesting, which it didn't. And I then actually he, did that Kendrick one time. Um, I was what was I doing? I was trying to explain algebra over the phone to somebody and i had a dry erase marker but i didn't have a dry erase board i don't know why those two things are both true but maybe marker left over from college when i had one on my door but i did have a big sliding glass uh door out onto my patio in my apartment and so i just like pulled the curtain back and wrote the formulas on the or wrote the equations on the glass so i'm like this will work i can draw it here and you know yeah, yeah. it'll be kind of cool and but anyway go on sorry no the, the, i see that at, at my work all the time i work at, at iu and we have i work in like a very what's, what's a, a technical field i work in the engineering informatics and computing um right kind of world and we have students working in nano engineering and stuff. And we have these huge uh, study areas that are like in the, this big glass building and the glass boxes, basically. And they have uh, markers in them. And they are always covered with equations and people writing stuff on them, right? The kids are always mm. using that. So not saying that that's not a thing, but it bothers me when people, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I can even walk by those things and see that they've written a formula out, right? But in this case here, they also do this in, in Oppenheimer, by the way. Um Anytime I see on, on, a, on a movie and people have just written random equations all over the, the, a chalkboard or a wall and then someone walks in, they're like, can you see it? It's like they're saying that math people have an imaginary thing where they can understand any random amount of equations and know 
how to read a language because math's not like that, right? You, right. you, when you're solving for stuff, you can put X, Y, Z, A, B, and equations in different orders. That doesn't mean you know what they're getting at on a theorem, right? right? You, you, yeah. you have to I mean, walk through it. It's one of those things that like, how do you show that in a movie, right? How do you, you show you don't. something that's you don't. like right. mental, yeah. Right, it's but, like but the, the thing is, it's, is the, it's been it's been replaced now that that visual effects have gotten better with the like floating formulas that like spin so around silly. people's yeah. head, like like Sherlock or any of those gifs that we post all yeah. the time. And and it's just it's just a problem with people who kind of know that stuff that you know that that's not how it works. No one, even math people, super brilliant people, don't walk into a room with with just letters all over the board, no matter what kind of formula it is, and then knows what they're trying to say as if it's a language, right? Sure. That it says, oh, now I can read the hieroglyphics and it means this, right? No, that's not <laughs> what it means. You have, you well, have to say, I mean, what, what are we talking about here? What does this mean? Is, you know, is Y a symbol that means the fusion reaction or is Y the number of apples you have in a hat. Yeah, right? what are what are what are the variables represent in this? And and of course, a lot of that is the the um fact, I'm going to say fact, that's too strong a word for this, but uh the general the general fact that most uh, uh film like directors and screenwriters are not math nerds, right? Not in any way, <laughs> right? <laughs> And that's and that's what bothers me. It's not that they're math nerds; it's they don't actually have math. If they're going to make a movie about math people, hire someone, right? It's like if right. when they made The Martian, or even when they researched the book for The Martian, they had they consulted with real people on what the thing they're doing. Yeah, the right? guy who wrote The Martian was an actual like engineer or something, um, right? Like they they yeah. they know what they're talking, about, and that's what makes it more believable. So anyway, that that bothered me, and. The thing that bothered me about this, I'm really going on the negatives here because it pressed me. There's some positives I want to get to, but is that uh, it wasn't even trying. It was simply numbers in columns, right? They were just. And if you pause that, which I well, it's, did, it's, I was like, it, it's accounting, right? It's spreadsheets, except he's doing it on the wall, right? And he's not saying like income from this company as a header and then numbers and then you know. Uh, outgoing costs and then you know a spreadsheet it wasn't anything it was just numbers and then when he comes in he sits with anna kendrick he's like do you see it do you see it right there and she's like oh it's that i'm like it's literally just a bunch of numbers on the wall how would what the (laughs) heck is the context in any of this you're like i can see it that's where the hole is and i'm like you just are trying to give him a superpower which makes no sense that he is just you know, and then all of a sudden it's math nerds because she sees it too. I'm like, this is right. this is all of that. So that just bothered me. That there's my bothering is that the, the accountant part of this was terrible. I thought it was just like not needed. It was dumb and overblown and not important. What what was interesting as I move on to that one was I actually liked a lot of the other stuff. I liked that how he was sneaky and he had a way to do things and he hid from stuff and um, very much like the Jack Reacher type things, you know. And then he has a the, I don't know if this is spoiler stuff. Like he's got the, a point and a hero esque type thing to it, right? His moral code, as they say. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I liked that he has a background, a forced, a, a bad background with a parent that wasn't great, you know, but also made him. How? Why is it he is a, a superhero kind of type thing, right? Well, that has reasons, 
you know? Right. Um, and I liked that part of it. Not that it was a good thing, but I liked that there was, they explained that this, this guy that's good at math is also a super ninja. Right. Right. Um, and good with guns and stuff. So they, I really enjoyed that. I liked that he was a good person, right? Like he helped the family there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so take out the autism angle, not because it was bad that he's autism, but because it wasn't done as well. And, and take out this super secret, highly sought after criminal money launderer, you know, world renowned. <laughs> take that part out of it. I actually liked the show enough for it to be a summer popcorn movie, you know, mm. that I lightly engaged. But because of those two things, it simply became a, eh, it's fine. You know, it's, it's yeah. fine. Sorry, I really kind of droned on there for like five or six minutes, but. What did you think of the movie, Dad? <laughs> no, that's 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 kind of how I felt. I um, actually went on YouTube on the movie clips channel to watch um, their like ten scenes. That's a yeah. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with that channel. They just hmm. pick pick a handful of scenes from a movie. You know, a few minutes, two three minutes long. Um, and because I watched this, you know, over a week ago before for last week's, and I was like, I don't remember. And then as I watched the it's scene, funny. you only had seen a week and you don't remember. Right. I know. Sense, right? I know. It's just just kind of forgettable. And then as I watched the scenes, some of them, I was like, oh, yeah, this scene. OK, let me I'll skip to the next one. because I remember what this I, like. This is the scene that sets up um, the other character, Braxton or whatever, the Walking Dead guy. Oh, that was another thing I said. Um, and, I, I didn't mind that his brother was involved in the way he's involved. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting reveal. This is a little bit spoilers. Um, I didn't mind that. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't know that I have much to add other than than what you've already said. Like we could get into the the details of it, but. It really does. I didn't watch the video, but the the YouTube channel Cinema Sins, which does their stupid like, here's everything wrong with this movie in twelve minutes mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, their description was like, you know, imagine if you took Born Identity and Goodwill Hunting and made that the same movie, except they somehow managed to not capture the magic of either one. Um, and they didn't say all that. Like that was that first part was just like here are these two movies, and I was like, oh yeah, that kind of is what this is. It's like you know, super math and also super competent gun guy. Little yeah. Um, I, I wonder uh, if it, it you know I, I, although I gave him a little praise earlier, I wonder if it wasn't a Ben Affleck thing. Like the the fact that he didn't, not that he was bad or delivered his lines or was fairly unbelievable. He just didn't he didn't make it memorable. Maybe. You know, there, I, there I, wasn't. Yeah, I think yeah. that's. I think that's part of it for me. Like, I don't. I don't have a huge bias against. Um, against Ben Affleck, and I also am not a massive uh, um, Matt Damon fan. But I think that. I don't know. I think that. I think that he maybe pulls off this kind of character better like there's just a little more something 
I don't, I don't necessarily yeah, want to say emotion because the character is supposed to be kind of emotionless. And, and Matt Damon also plays some kind of emotionless characters, but he also, I don't know, like Ben Affleck's performance in this is so flat and that's, and that's kind of most of what, I mean, I haven't seen all his movies, but that's kind of what he does. Like he plays these well, kind of flat I don't. Characters. I don't know. I, I actually, flat I is the wrong the other, word, but I would say the other way, actually. I think that, well, it's 50, 50. Some, some of his movies, the reason people like Matt Damon is because he's actually charming. He's got the smile. He's got a slyness to him all the time. And that's, yeah. that's those are In, the kind of movies that we memorably like him. It's the ones where he plays the, 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 the character you're describing that I think most people don't remember his movies for, where he's just yeah. flat, you know? Um, I think he has to, he should stick with roles that are big and kind of overlying. Uh, the exception of that is one is he does a movie with the Iran Contra affair and, he, and he's fairly flat in that one. And it's actually fantastic, but I think it's more than just him in that movie. That's really good. Sure. Um, but yeah, uh, to, to just one last thing I did want to say about the autism thing we talked about here. And I want to bring it back around kind of what you said about Dustin Hoffman was that when you said Dustin Hoffman did a, a great performance there and this one, you can't compare it. I mean, you, you want to kind of compare it. I agree in the standpoint of this part that um, even though um, Dustin Hoffman's character wasn't allowed to show emotion per se, right? Because that's his character in, in that like human connection emotion, right? Right. Um and that's also what Ben Affleck's character, also the autism things, those two things, the social things were, were very spelled out in both of these cases. I still felt that um, he, Dustin Hoffman's character, um, did show some kind of a connection in his own way to his brother, Charlie Babbitt. And you, even in his own way, you kind of felt that that was a thing. It came across in the script, right? there's one scene where he talked about his, his little brother and he was kind of protecting about him. He, he's like, Oh, you're the rain man, you know? And it shows that this guy has emotions, but it's locked up in there. Ben Affleck's character, just that doesn't come across at all. He, there's a scene where, um, the girl is talking to him and obviously just going on and on and on. And Ben Affleck tries a little bit of it, but it just doesn't come off as like, is he annoyed that she's there? Does he want to reach out with her there? Right. I mean, I didn't the, understand any of that interaction with him and her. You know. Yeah, I'm 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 thinking about that as you're as you're talking, and I I want to use the word empathy, but maybe maybe a better term is relatable, right? Like people throw the word relatable around a lot, but that's a right. thing. Like when I talk about an anime series that I watch that is about high school girls, right? There's there's nothing about that that should be relatable to me, but I can see they're like struggle for that you know they're doing something that's difficult and they triumph over it and you know they they make friends along the way and i'm like that those are universal maybe not universal but they're they're themes that are relatable or resonant to me um if i think about these other films that we've used as comparisons here you've got rain man right like dustin hoffman it like at no point is that character for a you know a neurotypical person like relatable relatable where you're like oh yeah i feel but there are that movie is full of 
moments where you can sympathize with that character. You can empathize with that character. Like, okay, he's struggling in this situation. He doesn't know what to do. And maybe that's why I say empathy is maybe a better term than relatable because it might not be literally relatable. Like there's nothing, you've never been in that situation. You've never felt that way, the way that he's, the character is feeling in that moment. But you still feel for him. You feel his frustration when he's there and, and Tom Cruise doesn't understand him or whatever. Um, the same thing is true in Goodwill Hunting, right? You see him like mm-hmm. he's got this ability, but he's he doesn't want to um, like stand out above his friends, right? His 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 circle is like that's a that's a um, um, like a like a comfort zone, a, a security kind of space like it's a safe space for him and he doesn't want to leave that right you can feel those kind of things or even born identity right like he's he's competent but he doesn't know who he is and like you emotionally feel for that character which is why i say empathetic um ben affleck's character in this movie doesn't ever i mean maybe not never but there's almost no point in this movie where I feel for him emotionally. Like, he is just... He's either devoid of emotion or so competent in these two areas that you're just watching him be awesome. Right. right? Like, he, was a, like he, he yeah. doesn't really... He doesn't really ever struggle. I never feel like... He he is a One little time bit in, when he can't in danger. The project, that's it, you know. Right, but slightly. but that's slightly. right. That's the like oh you're setting up. It's like the thing with the puzzle in the prologue. You know they're they're setting that up. But even when toward the climax of the movie, when he does start taking hits, right, a little bit like we watched Sisu the, uh, two weeks ago. Um, there's no point where I thought that he was gonna not make it. That you know that it was not going right. to work out for him. Um, yeah, and and they did the like the Solomon Grundy part, right? Like he he chants right. that, and I know that that can be an autism thing. Is that sometimes they'll do a thing where they something that they can do mm-hmm. with cope. I say they mm-hmm. again, it's big spectrum, so that's a thing. Some of them can do to to cope. Uh, and right. when you see it as a kid, you see how he's using it, right? Like he gets he gets so overwhelmed. And so much in in what's happening here that he just goes into this Solomon Grundy born in a Monday doing the poem over and over again, uh, and it, and he even says his dad helps him calm it, calm him down. But here, when he get, he's an adult, he's just saying it while he's doing his superhero work. Yeah, and he, he like when he's when he's in actual like life or death, life threatening situations, he never feels as. Um, whatever words you you, you just use like tense uncomfortable like like the 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 two times where you see that in him as an adult are when he can't finish the the math project or when he's trying to talk to anna kendrick right right and and when he actually does the chanting thing he doesn't seem like he's the he's completely in control like he's not yeah. there's no um there doesn't seem to be any need for him to be doing that mantra 
Um, yeah, totally. And so, so it just doesn't with that doesn't really track. I don't know. Right, and with that, he so it, it just that all said, our big breadth of the stuff we said here feels like they didn't get the autism bit of it right. Right, uh, they just kind of dropped the ball a lot on that, and also don't think they got the accountant part of it right, um, because they never show him interacting with villains. Right, mm. they never show him working for the mob or working for anybody. Right? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. They don't. They, so it's really highly unbelievable that this accountant. So I'm not going to dwell on it too much. Like this guy is a super secret accountant for all these scary people and has connections. Um, so. Okay, take all that out, that out and all the side. Um, the rest of it was fine, a competent type type thing, uh, but nothing really to write home. Uh, the last thing I want to say about it is another thing that doesn't make a lot of sense, and it was there. I can only assume so that they were planning, hoping for a series of these films is the FBI part. Like, when they're trying to find out who this guy is, and it's, um, what's the guy's name? That's the retiring police officer guy. Um, oh, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, right? Like his whole thing was it's, not an uncompelling. I was, I was a little story. lost for a second because it's it's Treasury, not FBI. Oh, Treasury, right? See again, like the tre- they treat the Treasury Department as they're as they're an FBI agent or the CIA, right? It's like, right. you know, are you a field agent? It's, you go out it's, there with it's, guns. It's and get the- financial rights. It's the accountant thing, right? Like he's not yes. like they. You find out what he is, but but from. And and that's that was another reveal that was sort of like okay that was I could see how the writers sort of built that over time to be that you know it was his flashback at the beginning of the movie, um, and the idea is that it's like money crimes and you have this um, uh, sort of vigilante character like taking care of stuff and then letting I mean it's a lot like Dexter in a way and then you have the reveal of the at the very end with the the computer and the woman um that's a big spoiler sort of but um sure you know what i'm talking about yeah right yeah i i don't know honestly i don't know if treasury agents go out into the field in riot gear and uh you know with their their guns drawn like fbi agents. no i th- I, it I, feels I like think, something I they th- would get for other people you know yeah i i think they investigate and then they get feds or or local cops or whatever like i don't i doubt treasury has their own like field agents but um, it, it, they sure kind of wanted you to feel that way i think right um, yeah so, i got the so sense anyway. that it was like you know because it's because it's a big money related crime right like how they got al capone for mail fraud or whatever um right and that was the it's fbi it's not right it's not really what they do but it's you know treasury because it's dealing with money kind of thing it was a yeah, weird that i mean i don't just i don't know enough to say like whether it's completely inaccurate or or not but it did feel like a weird choice as far as the script well this is i've never heard saying or read anything like that before in my life that and this right. is and this is and it just added to the whole like really implausibility you, t- tell me you're an accountant that that dreams of super stuff without saying that you're an accountant you're dreaming right. of super stuff, right? Right. Uh, the tri- big bad treasury department's going to get you if you're a super spy count. Okay, so yeah. <laughs> I harp on that enough. Um, but the the treasury part was he. They never really interacted until the very end with the the kind of the spoilery surprise person there, right? And mm-hmm. 
it it wasn't ever a big thing and they're trying to find the guy and it's a big mystery and then at the end at the very end with how they resolve the treasury thing with the treasury agent and then the treasury director was like okay that's fine if this is a series of movies and sure. you are now that's the background to how he interacts with being a vigilante type thing cool mm-hmm. but th- that did not happen this isn't this isn't a good enough movie for them to have more James Bond episodes, you know? Um, So it was, it ultimately ended up being completely unnecessary to the story at all. You know, he was never pressured by them. Yeah. They stormed his house, but he wasn't there. Right. He was never scared of immediately. As soon as he had any kind of worry, he was out. He even said 12 minutes later, they were there like a week later. It was never a stressor for him. Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know. It's just the conclusion of the G.K. Simmons character. Like, he's been taking credit for this stuff his, the whole latter half of his career and just wants to know the truth, like, wants to know who he really is. Yeah, and, an and, if, you take, and if you take the J.K. Simmons and, and the other agent lady out of the film, it makes no difference. It's the same story. Yeah, yeah that's It's true. the same story. You absolutely do not need them in there. But... That saying, I like both of them. I actually like that story. This is that, that thing where I say where it's just like the sh- the movie is just meh and forgettable because their mm-hmm. parts are superfluous, although it could be good. And it's something that I would usually like in a movie. But because they don't have anything to the plot and the ultimate at the end is like, okay. Um, yeah, it's like I a, would like it's this like a vehicle stuff, for the writers to uh, give exposition about his character and what he's been doing instead of, I guess, having a montage or something of him, you know, cooking the books for these, these, uh, organized crime things. And oh, then, I see. and then later, like, you're saying it's, uh, it's how they told us about everything. Okay. Yeah. Instead, instead of, of doing, they told instead of showed. Yeah. Instead yeah. of, um, doing that in some other way uh i don't know and i don't i don't know that that's necessary i don't know i don't know that you know some kind of um series of scenes showing him you know infiltrate a a mob family and then pick some guys off and report like i don't know if that would have been better maybe maybe it would have just been more kind of you see, um, Dennis, if like I writing. had made this movie, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I would have said that I, I think it would have helped a little bit there to start off with the opening scene of him working for somebody and going on a thing. And then, yeah, I, I you, think it's supposed the to groundwork but, like yeah. his his um, like martial competency is supposed to be a big reveal. And so right, it's I so guess. it's slow played with like here's this character and here's this guy and he's doing this and you don't really understand what's going on until it all comes together um, at the farm there um, and the rest is foreshadowing. So I don't know. So anyway, at the, at the end of the day, I say that this is a very milk toast is the word to say um, show. I give it a, on a type of movie, I'd say it's a B movie, not because it's like bad set designs or anything, just because it's, It's just not, just nothing 
meaty here and everything that they try to add meats which that's like the they have the idea of adding meat to the script but they just it's not good meat it's kind of like cheap generic meat that doesn't really fulfill it <laughs> you know yeah because uh, it's not like the the filming and the effects and everything are all well done yeah, they're all fine it's, yeah it's just a kind of weak script i guess it's the simplest way to right and to and the it. actors who are pretty competent actors didn't do anything to necessarily elevate it beyond the script right not always to blame it on them because it could also be the script as well but it just there was nothing special right who would i recommend it to i don't know if you're bored on netflix and you've seen most of netflix right <laughs> and, and your choice is that and or in highlander right you know like no go ahead and watch this one it's probably better right um, but i would recommend the other vehicles that you've kind of mentioned a couple times here i would recommend uh, go watch born identity instead you know um that's that's a better idea uh we're not going to have one this next week we're not going to have our, our usual movie because we are full with gen con yep uh but we'll we'll uh pick it up after that one and next time we'll talk about our our fun stuff with gen con okay moving on i i got one last thing uh, we we didn't get an opportunity you or you didn't get an opportunity to see barbie so we will hopefully maybe get to see that in a couple weeks and talk about that later um i did see oppenheimer and I know you didn't see that one, uh, but I'll give my two-minute response. It's hard for me to talk about this one fairly because I watched it in IMAX. And that doesn't always matter, but it really did matter. It really, really mattered. <laughs> and I don't mean it because of the huge, gigantic nuclear explosion, but because this is tried-and-true Christopher Nolan, meaning that the sound is just as much as a character important character as anyone else in the film um and when you're watching it in imax it rumbles your chair like and the mm. tense discord notes that you're supposed to feel uncomfortable about and that think when you're doing this think of the dark knight or any of the batman movies right you know they have big large trumpets that are just playing discord notes to make you feel uncomfortable in the scene and and it's a close-up on their eyes and they're nervous and it's just right you get that in a theater that it's just blaring into your ears and the set the seat is rumbling with it for five minutes it's so overwhelming that it makes you it forces you to have emotional feelings right whereas if it wasn't in imax it might be a little uncomfortable but it's not you know i can't so it's hard for me to talk about that film and not be just like, well, every scene was so big and huge and intense and so much because I, I think that was a lot of the IMAX and the sound. Um, mm. And it's such a, where I watched it with our buddy Trotsky and Pat and Brad and they, they kind of said the same thing. I was like, Nolan is, it's, it's such a music and sound driven thing that you can't not have it be the thing that you're focusing on the whole time uh so if i try to take that out it's hard for me to say whether i can see the film without that uh that experience you know sure actually when i walked out of it, i was like i need to watch more imax films i need to watch more films in the imax theater at least you know because it's just a totally out-of-body experience to watch it um it was three hours and it to me, it felt like three hours. To the other three people I watched yeah. it for, they said it, their their response was like, "Man, it didn't feel like three hours because it was so entertaining." To me, I checked my watch at two hours. I wasn't at no point was I like, "Oh man, is this finally over?" But I did feel like, "Man, there's a lot," 
and they just and they've got another hour, right? Like they've done a whole lot here already, and now they're starting another story. Yeah, that's a really good story, by the way. It's, and I enjoy that, like say that third act, but it's not. It's just a whole bunch, right? Yeah, and that's it, that's yeah. what I've I haven't you know I've been trying to avoid some of this stuff, but every once in a while I'll watch the YouTuber critical drinker who has a reputation for being a pretty big a-hole but yeah um because he's so negative about stuff all the time i usually will click through when it, it seems like he's positive like he likes something like he liked yeah. top gun maverick and i'm like yeah. okay well th- this guy hates everything so if he likes this movie that's that's saying a lot yeah um, right sure and his reaction to oppenheimer was mixed like he liked a lot of it and he liked the middle but a According to him, there's a point in the movie where the movie could end and be 100%. good, and then it 100%. goes on for another hour. For sure. Like, Without okay. a doubt. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I and I 100% that. agree with what you just said. Yes. <laughs> um, now, that, that third act is very good, right? right. It, is, it totally could end. And, and I, I, if this is a spoiler, I apologize. I'm just going to say it. The bomb is one scene. And it's not the most important scene, but the first two thirds of the movie is that. And then it, they, they kind of show that thing and they resolve that stuff. And you're like, that was the movie, at least the movie that I was expecting. Right. Right. And then the third half is kind of, okay, that's done. Now we've got this other story that goes along with it. Like here's the, the story after the story. And mm-hmm. it's also compelling in a different way. Um, but they're two movies, right? And in that second movie, there is um, Robert Downey Jr., right. who does arguably the best performance of the entire movie. It's a it's an incredible thing job he does. And so to say, oh, I don't want that third movie. You're like, oh, what? You're gonna leave out that character and that whole storyline, which is phenomenal. You're like, oh, you're right. You know, sure, I would want to see that. Um, so what do you do? I, 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 the long and short of it, I kept thinking like, man, they probably could have edited a lot of it down if they were going in a real editor way and they probably should have, I could see some things to cut if they would have been critical with themselves. Um, and, and been fine, not necessarily cutting that third half, but cutting other things in the middle of the first two halves and, or, you know, first third, two thirds, whatever. Um, but it was fun. It was great. I did enjoy it, and I did enjoy the stuff. I would definitely say that between the two, Barbie is the, the the movie to watch for sure, because those two. I don't know why those two are being the comparison to, but because they released um, on the same day. That's all. Maybe right. Uh, Oppenheimer does have a good story. It is well acted by all people involved. Um, I there were some historical things that ha- that I hadn't really contemplated before. Uh, hmm. Maybe I should have, but I'm thinking, oh. Yeah, okay, that, you know, fits with this and how people may have been th- thinking when doing certain stuff. Um, and I appreciated that a whole lot. So Oppenheimer, I definitely give a thumbs up, but I did feel like it was long. And you know, I don't mind long. Uh, I did not know it was three hours, honestly. I thought it was two hours. Hmm. So... um. Who could I recommend this to? I would recommend it to anybody to watch, but I definitely would be hesitant to anyone who can't sit through a long film. 
if someone sure. said, man, I just, you know, watching Fellowship of the Ring was just too much for me because it was like, yeah, well, Oppenheimer don't even come close to touching that thing. Right. right. Um, but but if you're like, I love the Lord of the Rings and that time didn't bother me. Like, yeah, Oppenheimer. That's a good one. You should watch that one, too. It's got good stuff. Good things. Uh, but the, the runtime is a problem. OK, sorry. I spent too much on that than I wanted to, but it was worth mentioning. And no, Nolan's great. Nolan's a, Christopher Nolan's a great director, and he he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't disappoint in this one. He's he's a good director. And there there is time shenanigans a little bit, and I'm not a fan of how he portrays the time things, but it's better than that other World War II movie he did that like that one. Dunkirk. Uh, Dunkirk, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Was, I think that was a travesty of time understanding. Uh, okay, how about moving over to? Um, let me see. Oh. You want to spend time? How much time we got? I'm pulling up a thing about pulling up a Star Trek topic here, but it's always a sticky wicket with us. Uh, I'm meaning Strange New Worlds is what I'm discussing. How, how do you feel about that, or do you want to hit something else before that? Um, I don't think I have anything. Uh, been over our list. I'm watching. Something. I mean, unless you want to talk about Secret Invasion, which I've only watched the first episode, so I've watched two. I do plan on watching the rest of the season. It's not a whole lot, so it's not like I, you know have to really get into it. But uh, in the first two, feels very lukewarm. And only thing I've ever heard about it from afterwards, people non spoilery reviews have been the same way. It's just like, yeah, that was the thing I watched. Um, so maybe I'll wait. We can talk about it if I watch it later. The whole thing and. Or if I recommend, hey man, it gets better. You should you know, watch it or something. Hmm. Uh, we did watch the trailer for Loki season two. That looks interesting. Uh, more than most Marvel things in the last year, right? Uh, or last two years maybe. Um, there's a game I bought, Marvel Champions. I played it. I played it before on Tabletop Simulator, but I actually bought it this time on Prime Day, and. Hmm. An expansion for it too, so I played that. I enjoy it. I'm bringing it to Gen Con because Fox wants to play it. It is a co-op. Uh, I kind of really like it. I may have even played this with you. I can't remember on tabletop, but um, uh, I, I, I'm going to play it at Gen Con with, with the guys, and I think people will like it. It's it's pretty solid. It's pretty solid without being complicated in any way and easy to explain. I think, uh, and I'm that's the that's the game I'm actually going to look for some expansions at Gen Con to buy and mm. hopefully some deals. Um, not, it's not a real review cause I figure I'll talk about it later, but I'm feeling happy about that one. I are playing a game called Anachrony on board game arena. I like yeah, it. Work yeah. replacement. Um, can seem more overwhelming. I would not recommend it to anyone who gets easily overwhelmed with rules. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you play your first game, I think you're like, okay, I kind of get it. Uh, but it almost feels like, as our buddy Pete had said, it's one of those games that has one too many mechanics, right? Right. Um, but I don't mind it, so I I give it a thumbs up um, for that kind of thing. Uh, okay, so let's go ahead and do it. let's do the let's do the strange new world stuff because we did have a big strange new world thing, right? Like we're going to talk two episodes, right? We're going to talk the crossover crossover and the one previous because you haven't finished finished as you said the jim kirk one right the yeah um yeah so we're watching or we're talking about star trek strange new worlds episodes 
6 and 7 of season 2. I don't know if I said season 2. Season 2, 6 and 7. Uh, I'm going to hit the bell here if you haven't seen it. Okay, uh, I, I talked about this last week at kind of a high level. I had a couple episodes in a row uh, that I was just kind of mid middling reaction to. Um, mm. And then there were two episodes before that that either you or our buddy Trotsky or both were also kind of um, mid on the time travel episode. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the one before that I've forgotten, the, the one about Erica, um, wherever, I, I think I was, I was mid on that one too. Like it was good, but the one where everybody loses their memories. Oh, I forgot about that one. <laughs> like it was, it was still good, but like the plot arc was very convenient. It was just like stuff happens. Yeah, I um, need to rewatch that again. I may have to rewatch this whole season again to really. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait till it's. I've I've already rewatched the crossover, but um, yeah. I'm gonna wait and until it's over, and then probably rewatch the whole season at some point. Um, and the time travel episode I liked, but Trotsky doesn't like because he doesn't like time travel, um, mm. which to me just means he doesn't like bad time travel. But whatever. Um, and we all watched Picard. Well, right, and there's Picard. Burn, season, burn. Season, season two of Picard. Um, the I didn't love the um, the Uhura episode. Um, it was it was fine. It was it was good. It just was not. Again, like I said before, I I hold this show to a higher standard than I probably should. Um, and so when the episodes are just okay, I'm like, oh, it's, it's even more disappointing. Um, there were just weird choices uh, in the in the script that episode, and the the Spock episode um, was just a little too goofy for the mood I was in when I watched it. I was not okay. like it was it was just too much comedy. Like the comedy didn't work for me. Um, and so when we got to the crossover episode, I was like just perfectly primed for the 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 fun of that and i know it's funny to say that back to back with the the spock um human episode but uh just the way that um the the lower decks characters being in the show like brought a different energy out of the main strange new world's cast um, like they were still themselves, but they were all a little bit different, a little bit affected by the presence of these lowered X characters, which is why I I'm think totally on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they do this once and I think they don't ever do it again because it's very different, <laughs> right. um, from the normal tone of the show in a way that I think, I think really worked. Like there are several really good or for me, very effective emotional moments. Um, even when I watched it the second time, like, um, you know, there's, there's, um, I can't remember his name ever. Boimler, Brad and, and nurse chapel are in the turbo lift. Right. And he's, he's being Boimler, like saying, saying things. And she 
reacts and it's like oh this is like he doesn't know what's going on like he sort of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. puts some pieces together we of course know because we've been watching the show and it's the way and it's a way something i really appreciate about appreciated about that episode is how even though strange new world is episodic right here's one yeah. episode where they have lower decks characters to a to real like you can watch that episode and it's got all the pieces that you need yeah. but if you've if you've watched the whole season up to this point all the way back to the second episode about number one that was my second emotional moment is when they're about to beam down and mariner has already told they've done the gag about pinup posters right mm-hmm, and you're mm-hmm. like you're like oh that's funny and she says the thing and she says the the line at astra paris Barum, and um Rebecca Romaine reacts to that, right? It's it's that it's a little bit like the first contact stuff with with Saru in in the short tracks, where it's like, okay, not only did she make it through that and stay in Starfleet, which is also you know I can see the the issues people have with the courtroom episode, um, but she becomes, you know, as they say, the the poster woman, poster person for Starfleet. Like it's it's contrived and it's emotionally manipulative, but it worked for me. Like we had this setup, and it's been several weeks since then. And to see like them, it's this kind of like fan fanboy fangirl kind of thing, but but playing out in a way that for me was effective emotionally. Right. Um. On the the one prior, uh, prior before this one, um, mm-hmm. wait, that, wait, we should get this right. That was the um, the memory one. Is that right? Is this the one we're talking about here? Uh, I'm trying to think of that third. That was that was a couple back. That was, that a was couple like back. that was the third. That was either right before or right after the Laon episode with time travel. Oh yeah, this is the Kirk one. So the the yeah, in Uhura, right? Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm it was, was fine. Uh it just didn't I didn't really care for that one too much because it was just weird. Um like Uhura, none of it made a lot of sense with how they interacted with the with the ship and the other the rest of the crew. Um Uhura's character is weird for me because I don't know where to put her on on in this crew obviously the first season she didn't want to be there right right and and the whole thing was like oh is she gonna stay around or not you know and i still so i that entire thing every time she's like i'm not i'm not gonna stay here i'm not gonna stay here all i kept thinking was that like you've got all these great cool people and they all want you to hang out with them and stuff like that and all you can say is like nah not for me pass like how much can people's relationships really grow when they're like yeah i'm every time it comes around i'm like i'm not in this i'm not in this type stuff um, so that character is weird. And then this season, she's supposedly just in it just because, you know, they're like the beginning, like, Oh, welcome now ensign. Like, that's cool. But she isn't, she still doesn't seem like super passionate about being in Starfleet and, and this thing. I just don't quite get that there yet. Um, and even though everybody kind of tells us that they are, um, and though, so now she's here and this is a, a Uhura centric episode. Um, but it's like no one believes her at the beginning 
And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they, they believe her, and the captain lets her fire torpedoes at a multi-gazillion dollar installation <laughs> that's the future of the frontier yeah, of the Federation. The, there's no money, but... Yeah, that yeah, that was you know one what of, I mean. Like, like it's time I, and effort, right? Right. I had small nitpicks. Like, I don't know how an ensign has such nice quarters, but of course, everybody on Pike's Enterprise has amazing quarters, um, right? Like, that's a nitpick. But the, I mean, we've talked about this at length about Next Generation versus Discovery. Um, you know, with with special notice to Pike's performance in season two of Discovery, where, and this is not universally true with Next Generation, but part of the the utopian fantasy of Star Trek is that Starfleet officers exist in a world, not entirely, but for the most part, without bad faith, right? right. They, they all respect each other. They all understand that they are competent Starfleet officers, cream of the crop, whatever. And so then to have the whole, like, first first third of this episode with everybody, Pike and Mbenga and everybody, just not really gaslighting her, but just like, hmm, are you sure you're getting enough sleep, Ensign? Like, kind of like, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff felt very un-Star Trek to me. And then, as you said, to get to the end of the episode, where it's just complete, like, let her give orders. Sure, we're just completely, like, that, that's, a, that's a strong arc. Like, it's too much of an arc for one episode to go from complete mistrust, like, suspicion distrust, to complete trust and confidence in one episode was a little, was a little much. Well... On top of that, an important thing to add to that is that they at no point prove her theory right. 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 That it's it's completely solidly just conjecture that this is the pro- that these alien, mystery aliens, theoretical aliens. And it's nice that Kirk has her back. Right. And in this mm-hmm. thing. And fine. That's cool. It's, you know, developing character relations, etc. But. Um, he goes to his brother and his brother's like, this is a theory that could be a thing, but there's no science. And when you, you know, which is usually what Star Trek does. They'll, even if it's like pseudoscience, they'll like say a thing and they'll, maybe they'll try to communicate with them. And there's like a, there's a, there's a response somehow. Now Pike is like full on, you know, this is something we have to pay attention to or whatever. And, And to your point of in the other Treks, people, um, they, are believed, you know, Star Trek officers are believable. It's because they've earned that, right? right? They, 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 they still will, ha- will, will run tests. They'll run diagnostics and, and right. do, and do all of that kind of stuff where in the, in that episode, it almost felt like, I mean, it was a little bit like the memory loss episode where like they got to us. If it felt like they got to a certain point and were like, Oh, we're, you know, we're already at this many pages. We've got to wrap this up. Okay, right. let's have Uhura go to the bridge and Pike trusts her because he's reasonable space dad and they'll blow up the thing and uh, the end. See you next week. Like, yeah. Uh, like like literally that, what happened in the order of this more. episode was that they had the theory. She freaks out in Sam's quarters or workspace or lab, whatever that is. 
and then immediately gets on the thing and says, Captain, you have to shut down the thing. And he's like, why? We already started. It's too late. And she's like, just trust me. We have to shut it down. And then he's like, okay. And then she runs to the bridge and says, we got to blow it up, Captain. Just trust me. He's like, okay. And she's like, fire torpedoes. And he's like, sure. Boom. And I'm, and then she's like, oh, there's save the day, the aliens. And he's like, <laughs> cool. I'm like, what, what? In what world is this, to, to your point, a believable explanation for somebody if this was star trek the next generation when uh gates mcfadden dr crusher is saying that she's in this you know weird thing that she can see stuff and aliens are there she has been talking about it the whole time they've had discussions about it she explains to picard why she needs to be trusted and whatever and he's like yes you've earned this in the past to i that i trust you because we have a long-standing relationship where we have developed trust with my crew, right? Mm -hmm. And literally, this is the lowest-ranking, newest member of the entire Enterprise that has never had stuff with, and she just decided to even stay in Starfleet. And now Pike just, you know... The next time... Here's the thing. That led to a little bit of disappointment in the next episode, which, you know, Pike immediately doesn't believe anything that Boimler or Mariner says and is um, disaffected by them all the time, right? right? And annoyed by them. Yet, Ohura, I know it's part of his crew, et cetera, et cetera. It actually makes me think less of Pike that Ohura episode does. Mm. Um, because he's not, now he's just literally space dad and no longer commanding captain, Right of the ship, sure. who who's in charge? Which that's actually if my if I have one complaint probably so far that I'm makes me feel uncomfortable about this season, um, and why I want to watch it back to think maybe differently is that Pike is is a great captain, but this season he's really just the guy. He's the chef of the ship. You yeah, know? like I I said this in our chat. But I loved in season one when he's cooking. Right, it's right. like. Oh, you know, welcome officers dinner. Like I got to I got to go check on those ribs. I'm like, this is great. This is I love this guy. He's awesome. Yeah. And now like because they're doing these character centric episodes, I mean even the crossover is still the Boimler episode. Right. Right? Like Right. Every episode, I mean, the the memory loss thing was him and Mbanga, right? Like he was there. Sure. But almost Every other time, if he's not on the bridge or in a briefing for the, you know, handful of scenes he's in in an episode, he's in his quarters cooking. And I'm like, that's okay. Like, I appreciate that. But like, come on. Like, I mean, in the first episode, he left the Enterprise to go do a side mission. Right? Right. Which is like, again, not really something the captain of the flagship of even if it's best friend. It just felt, I don't know. That's what I said. I don't, I'm not knocking it. It just doesn't feel like the pike that I, that I, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking it because it's all good. And I do like, like you said, he's in a chef's uh, apron and stuff. That's not bad. <laughs> I just don't know how I feel about it. So, so that's how right. the Hura episode, same thing. I think it just knocked him down more as this wonderful, incredible leader type person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So moving off the her episode, I really liked. The um, crossover, I do want to watch it again, but for the exact same reasons, I had a little bit of hangups. What you said, they all acted so differently, um, and this definitely felt like it was a um, lower decks episode that had the like if it was a lower decks episode on the lower decks series, 
and then they crossed over to the live action, that would have made sense, a lot more sense to me. Right? And I actually mm-hmm. think that probably should have fit in there. I know it's technical that it all came about, but I think it should have been part of a Lower Decks episode instead of a Strange New Worlds episode because they just mm. act so differently. And as you said earlier, it feels like, okay, you can do this once, but I'm not, don't make it like a normal, like how everybody is and such, uh, right. which would have been perfect as a Lower Deck episode. And it was Boimler-focused, which I appreciated. I thought Jack Quay did great. I thought, um, the, mm-hmm. uh, is it Tawny Newsom? Tawny Newsom. They, they, they acted great. They, I was really happy. I thought it was going to be difficult to translate their animated characters into their real characters. But I was like, oh, I totally see these two characters. I also now fully understand why they're like career lower decks forever. Um, <laughs> because none of those people I would want in you know to give big promotions they just sure. chatter on too much um they're fun they're totally awesome characters i love them in the strange new worlds real people uh, you know things but man they're they're definitely the the c team right yeah uh, not thinking before they they act or talk or whatever they just do the animated characters type stuff um their fast paced delivery was pretty great you know that which is different yeah. Encounter. Yeah, I I thought that last stuff. week when we when we talked about this, but you hadn't seen it yet because you expressed some doubt, which is very reasonable. Like to have some, like these they're animated characters, they they move around a lot, um, and all all this kind of stuff. But I think the combination of their animated characters being a little bit, you know, they look a little bit like them. Yeah. Aside yep. from, uh, I think them both being taller, the actors both being yeah. taller than the animated characters because right, they're yeah. characters taller than them on lower decks. And you're like, yeah. they're both like, I did look it up because we were thinking, uh, Jack Quaid, I think is just a hair over six foot, maybe six one. And Tawny Newsom is like five, nine or okay. no. Yeah. She's five, nine. And then, cause you know, I see her interacting with, um, uh, nurse chapel who is yeah. not like, not ridiculously tall, but she's tall when you see her interacting with the other female characters. Um, yeah. Laan or, or Erica or uh, Uhura. Except for, number one, um, uh, Rebecca Romaine is 5'11". I'm like, okay, yeah, that's... I mean, you usually see her interacting with Pike, and so you're like, yeah, she's tall. She's yeah. Tall. But I just noticed when I see... Um, Nurse Chapel interacting with Dr. Mbanga, that they're pretty close to the same height. And I'm like, she's mm. pretty tall. Like, they don't yeah. Yeah. they don't emphasize it with cameras. But then, yeah, I see, especially when Tawny Newsom shows up, I'm like, they're both really tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, the, the I, I appreciated that uh, Brad, uh, Brad, is Brad Quaid? Is it, is it, I can't remember. Uh, uh, Brad, Brad, Brad Jack is Quaid, Jack Quaid. Brad Boimler, Jack Quaid. Jack Quaid. Yeah. Uh, he he was um, he t- he talked and I think pulled off successfully that that he studied Boimler's mannerisms, mm-hmm. you know that they have in the animation, and replicated those as much in everywhere that he could. He, Particularly he about, in the in the lab scene with Spock. Yes, in the lab scene with Spock, uh, all of that. <laughs> he's jumping around, he's screaming like yeah. the animated character. It's pretty great. Yeah, and, and that was great. Like. It's hard. It's funny to see that on an animation thing. You don't think that that's a realistic thing, but when you watched him do it in there, it actually fit 
a a crazy like nonsensical person, which that's what Boimler is, of, right? Yeah. Um, and again, not a a, uh, a bridge crew officer. He's just like a young crazy right. person. Yeah. And then um, he does the Boimler walk, like when he's trying to walk real fast, like almost like speed walking down the mm-hmm. hallway. Uh, he yep. does those things. He uses his hands up really big like Boimler does and throws them up in the air. Um, and it didn't feel – I obviously was worried that doing that would make it feel cartoonish. So I just yeah. – it, it, but I don't think it did. I thought it was pretty good that this character is – this person is, in this world is just a very, you know, animated and in his own head kind of person. Spazzy right? kind of. Right. Uh, so – so th- that worked okay for me. It, it really did. And it actually made Mariner uh, – I Mariner's my favorite character on Lower Decks. And in this one, I just could not – she was so grating, right? Like hmm. she, she's – because not grating in a – it sounds bad. It's just that she kind of feels like she should be paid attention to all the time. And what she said should be, you know – she dismisses stuff, right? Like she comes into the thing and she's like, really, where's Uhura? Which is great. It's a very Mariner type thing to say. But right. but to everyone else, it's like, dude, don't you realize you're time traveling? This is an important thing that we need to solve. But she's like, no, nah, guys, let's talk about how Spot Hawk Sp- Spock is. And that fits in a <laughs> animated thing. But it just was so like, can you focus, woman here? Can you mm. focus what's happening? You know? Um it felt Again, appropriate sort of, to me, but I don't know. Maybe it's been a while since I watched Lower Decks. Yeah, no, no. It, it was appropriate. It totally is appropriate to a Lower Decks character. And it makes Mariner awesome in in the animated thing. But when you put oh, her next to these characters. I see what you're saying, yeah. These real characters, she felt annoying, right? And I could see right. how people wouldn't like her. Um, I could see how Ransom wouldn't like her, right? Yeah. For sure. Um, but in the lower decks world, I think ransom is the worst because Mariner's awesome, right. you know. Right. So, so anyway, that that's a lot to say that it, sometimes it didn't work and sometimes it really did work. Um, but the weirdest part of all the stuff was that the actual strange new world characters acted weird, and Spock never smiles like that. No, in that was that was like, I know they did that to make. Uh, Boimler uneasy, well, and yeah. Mariner too. Everyone but would have it, been uneasy, right? <laughs> you know? it, yeah, it was very strange. Yeah, and I was like, so all the characters were just not the same. And obviously, uh, you know, Space Dad was not. He we, was. We've, we've talked about that. He's more. Yeah. He was more like season one or two, uh, Picard. Than yeah than the pike we know for sure just very very annoyed very exhausted by their mere existence existence yeah they they came back and when mariner comes into the picture the only thing he can say is like oh please not more or something like that you know two of them or something yeah yeah, and and that's not something he would usually say to anyone else. And he was on the he was on the USS Discovery, right? Right. And he didn't say that stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it it was fine episode. I'm glad they did it. It's awesome that they did, and I liked it. I did enjoy it, but it wasn't. Um, it didn't feel like a normal Strange New Worlds episode. Uh, right. It was just you know a cool thing that they did. I enjoyed it, but uh, yeah, it's. 
It's cool. I'm, and I'm glad they didn't bring the other two over, too. It was fine. You know. Was it Tendy and Rutherford? I love Rutherford, those characters, yeah. too. But I, T was good enough. I didn't need to pick the other ones. <laughs> All right. Oh, also, the story was a little, I don't know, I think, like the whole, um, I guess we didn't even talk about the story in that episode. Like, I a little I forgettable, like, right? I liked that, too. I liked when he says that Orion scientists discovered it, right? They're I like, appreciated that. that it's, yeah, the, that part. it's the circular history thing, and you're like, oh, yeah, this guy is a... I know that actor from Bitten, the vampire... Uh, not vampire, the, the werewolf um, series that was from, I don't know, Stars or something a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, his, his reaction to that was... I, I liked that was a, an emotional moment. Yo, uh, when that happened oh yeah sure right the scientist thing yeah mm-hmm. uh but it, it was just weird uh, some of that was weird you know when they when they come in and they're pirates and they doesn't want to fight around i'm like i don't know that felt a more unspike thing and how often that they were breaking the time travel rules by telling everything all the time constantly right, right. and and the only thing people just could say about it was like oh don't do this and i'm like dude this feels like so serious that they would like want to lock them in their rooms, you know, right. The first time they break the thing and he's doing it every five seconds, you know? <laughs> so, which is entertaining, but right. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, well, that's what I got to say about that show. I, I still feel the same way. I do feel about the entire series. This thing. I love it, but I, I need to watch this season again to, to put my finger on, you know, it's bad, but I also will continue to say I'm. I need a freaking non-character driven episode. You know, mm. I I love the cast, I love the crew, and I love the characters. But the one I haven't seen, that I've only seen half of, is an Mbanga and Chapel centric episode. And yeah. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. you know what? Here's another perspective thing. Maybe we need this season so we can have the next season, right? Yeah, yeah there's that. So, so that we can develop our characters more and they were so oh, season two is all about the characters and three is about the thing you know so yeah that's what i gotta say about strange new worlds how's that we'll see we've got uh there's one more that that you haven't seen yet yeah. um and then the musical episode which is very well well in, won't be canon-ish in, type thing heavy right interesting now. yeah 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 um and is that well, let's see seven Eight, nine, and then there'll then there's one more. Okay, okay. So how do you about think? Hey, what's your thoughts on this? They set up the the end of last season and the beginning of this season to have there. I thought they were going to sprinkle a lot about the Gorn in that mm. felt like the important thing. That was not that they have. I don't. I don't want them to do Discovery long timeline serial no. storyline telling here. No. But I thought that there was going to at least be Gorn stuff throughout. But since that first episode, there's has there been anything? And I don't think so. Yeah, it feels like they told us a thing and then nothing. Yeah, I guess in the her episode they did mention that it's on the that refineries on the edge of Gorn space. That's it. Right. Right. Well, and it's it's another one of those like I don't know how much do they care about the canon, and I don't want to get into that whole topic, but. You know, in Kirk's Enterprise, they've never seen a Gorn, right? So they like they can do that. They can play around with it to do 
um, backstory for Laan, but it kind of has to stay... I mean, it doesn't have to. Obviously, they can break canon within limits yeah. um, without doing... But they can't, I, don't, I don't think they would have, like, a whole Federation-scale war with the Gorn. Um, which felt unless, like they were kind of setting up. Which they were maybe maybe setting up, um, and then still have like Pike and his crew can have several encounters with Gorn and Kirk not know about it, right? Yeah. Like that's that's fair, you know completely reasonable. Um, but there's a there's a limit to the scope of what they can what they can do with that. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do um, with these next couple episodes. I agree. I I, I will say I, I want to. But and I might have said this in one of the chats is that I think that uh, Kirk's uh, several episodes appearances and prominence as almost like a main character cast character this season is I feel a way to make them the, the viewers know that Kirk's around. This mm. actor is Kirk. Whatever right. he's doing with the story is this Kirk. So that possibly, potentially, maybe someday they do the transitional story, um, or heaven forbid, they actually put another series out where it's the original, you know, TOS, but with mm. the new cast and crew, that we can accept this Kirk, right? Because there's right, and they're just slowly putting him in, not as a main character, but you know, you put him in here and there, you're used to him, and if you right. can see this guy as a Kirk. And then we can use him as a primary Kirk. I think it's an easy way to slowly introduce that, which is they're actually doing that okay. If that's their goal, it kind of seems to be successful so far. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't have people online throwing up like, oh, this Kirk and that Kirk, and it's not the same Kirk, and they're not doing the Shatner and the thing. I'm like, he's not a Chris Pine, and like you got when Pine came out. Um, right. But but uh, I don't see a lot of that with this Kirk. They're just like, okay, this is this guy yeah i i like this kirk i don't like him as much as ethan peck um in terms of re, spot, you yeah. know re, recasting old characters but i like him he's got a good mix of confidence and um i don't know what um with like a mix of confidence without being as arrogant and a little bit chauvinist as as original Kirk was. Yeah. And I also don't, I did not see him hitting on Uhura. Did you, I did not get that. They didn't come off as, she kept saying, Oh, you're hitting on me, hitting on me. Oh, I didn't uh, feel, did you feel that? I, maybe I, I missed it. I didn't feel I don't, like he was hitting on her. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember that episode well enough to say, I don't, I don't remember that. It didn't stand out to me in the way yeah. that like, I remember more of the way he interacts with Vaughn. Right. Um, so I I don't know enough to say yes or no on that. It felt like that they were the scriptwriters were trying to get him as a, as a, not a, like you said chauvinist, which made me think about it, like as a, a person who's or, always going after girls, you know, or is or is some kind of foreshadowing because they those characters kiss in TOS, right? It's the famous maybe yeah. She she first, says first that and then runs off, and then later on she has a, like an episode. Uh, and she comes up and sees him, and she's like, "I told you I wasn't," you know. He's like, "I told you I wasn't hitting on you." She's like, "I want to be by myself." Like I told you, so they were pushing that. I'm like, "Man, he wasn't hitting on her." 
why give her, hmm. him a bad rep? He, he seemed like a good right. guy. So, yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Gen Con, Dennis, two days. I'll see you. Yep. Yep. We've, we've gone long, so I'm going to wrap this up. Mm-hmm. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 308. Thanks always to our friends at Alarm Online. We talked about that earlier. Fox does reviews on things. You can read those there. If you want to email us and tell us everything we're wrong about Kirk and Strange New Worlds, you do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you can find contact forms there to reach out to us. Sometimes show notes, probably not for this episode, but maybe next week after we talk about board games at Gen Con, we'll have some links to those there. If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a positive review, we always appreciate that. It helps out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For The Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.